What's going on guys? My name is Aldenero and welcome to the 65th edition of the Midnight Hour podcast. I am joined today by usual co-host Jack. Oh wait, no I'm not because Jack has been controversially suspended from the show once again after a mandatory screening test showed that he was funneling his cut of his Midnight Hour wages into an ISIS sleeper cell, which is... Quite frankly, unacceptable on this podcast. We don't allow stuff like that. I passed the screening test with flying colors, although it did prove that a large portion of my wages were spent on purchasing methamphetamine. But that's something that we actually allow on the show and that we actively encourage. So today's episode is not sponsored by anything, but I will leave the link to Bucket Rocket Designs in the description once again, just to thank them for the amazing thumbnail. Uh, on this episode, I I just I just love the thumbnail. I keep looking at it and I'm like, it's just so good. It's like made in Illustrator, so you could blow it up and put it on the side of a bus, and it would still maintain that exact quality. So that's something that I'm very pleased with. And if you guys want to go and like that Facebook page, it would mean a lot to me, honestly, because the guy who runs it is a very good friend of mine. Anyways, you can also discuss this episode on the subreddit Midnight Hour, which will also be linked in the descriptions of both SoundCloud and YouTube. If you're listening on YouTube, I'd rather you listened on SoundCloud, but you do you. That's what's important right now. If you're listening on iTunes, fair play to you because I haven't put it on there. Today's episode is a conversation with business insider journalist Michelle Mark, who is based in New York at the moment, although she is originally Canadian. Um, it was pretty interesting to get a sort of an inside look at what the media is like from an actual journalist and I think I talk an awful lot on the show about stuff like the American presidential race which might seem weird or skewed to some people because of the fact that I live in Ireland so it's pretty good to get an insider's perspective in that regard. The topic for the discussion is the rise of fake news in the post-truth era which is a very very nice title but I was interested in the growing number of fake news stories that were turning up on my Facebook feed so I really wanted to talk about that and it was really good to talk to an actual journalist about it so um, just to get their perspective and see what it's like uh, from the media point of view as well um, the conversation naturally uh, bridges into how the media is actually reported in general nowadays aside from all of the fake news stories on Facebook but I think it was a really really interesting conversation and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it so if you want to leave a like on the video leave a repost on SoundCloud, all of that stuff. I would really appreciate it. We're going to start the episode off with YG's FDT, which it will not take you long to find out what that stands for. Just the intro to it, because YG has been on a tour called the Fuck Donald Trump Tour, and uh, that's just a message I can get behind. That's that's a theme that uh, I, I fully support. So anyway, I really hope you guys enjoyed the discussion. Thanks so much for listening, and hey, two weeks out of two, that's not bad. Fuck Donald Trump. Fuck Donald Trump, yeah, nigga, fuck Donald Trump, yeah, yeah, fuck Donald Trump, yeah, fuck Donald Trump, yeah, fuck Donald Trump, yeah, nigga, fuck Donald Trump, yeah, yeah, fuck Donald Trump, yeah. No power in the verse can stop me. Because when you, you first brought up to me, like, the idea about, like, talking about fake news, and I think you, like, had wanted to bring it up in, like, a fake news on Facebook kind of context, and, like, yeah. I was confused when you first brought it up um like just about like what got you interested in that in the first place because it hadn't really been my experience on Facebook until like quite like within like maybe like the last year or so that like I'd never really seen 
a lot of like fake news on Facebook. And I think that might have been like my fault, like the way that I was using Facebook. But like, when did you start realizing that it was a problem? And like, what got you like interested? The main thing um, for me, I care like immensely about (laughs) like just like seemingly random things like Kanye West, for example, is like an artist who I absolutely love. And so every time someone mentions him, I care deeply about whether or not they're doing it in a positive light. (laughs) Because I just like when I really like a thing, I have to just really like express how much I like it and how important it is to me. Yeah. Um, so I saw this story that was like um, Kanye West says that Tupac was overrated and that he's way better than him and stuff. And I was like, I, like I'm pretty in touch with how insane he is. Um, so I know full well that this is definitely a lie. And like I looked at the comments and it was all people going, oh, would this guy ever just fuck off and stuff? <laughs> So I clicked on the website that it was on, and I can't remember the name of the the site or who who it was, but um, it was it was just so clear, like it it wasn't written like how Kanye talks, and I've heard him praise Tupac on numerous occasions, so I, like I knew it was fake. And then I clicked the homepage on the actual website, and the main story was Justin Bieber joins the Ku Klux Klan, and I just thought to myself like, so many people like there was like seven hundred fucking comments on it. And like, I don't know, thousands of shares. And I was like, you've all seen this lie and chosen to believe it because of the hatred you have for the subject of it. Um, You've just been worked into like giving them press and like, you know, clicking on it, giving them money and stuff like that and using it to fuel your agenda, which is so minuscule in this case because it just involves Kanye West. But that's important to me, damn it. Um, But that made me think like this is a real thing that people are doing to get away with stuff and ever since then I've noticed it uh, that it's been politicized way more than like what should be like there are so many stories that like pro Trump and pro Hillary that yeah. come out um and that have been debunked like time and time again like ones about like Donald Trump saying that he like Donald Trump in like 1988 or something saying that he would uh, run as a Republican candidate because Republicans are idiots and he would just have to say a bunch of nonsensical rhetoric and they'd vote for him and stuff. And, like, that's completely fake. And, like, it also really interests me to know that someone wrote that and was like, this is going to get people. And I don't know what their agenda was or why they did it. Like, I just, it's, it's kind of baffling to me, but it's so commonplace now and so many people buy into it. And that kind of frightens me a bit because of how people are consuming media, you know? Yeah, no, like, it is really interesting. And, like, I hadn't really had that experience, like, too much on like I think maybe it was just because of like the way that I was using the website like or maybe my friends were all just like very careful about like the articles that they shared and like nobody ever shared anything that was like too extreme or maybe I just had like had like a a, like a set of really boring friends up until recently (laughs) but like I don't know I think it is like partly because this is just like a really like batshit insane time right now with like the American election and like Facebook and and like Twitter too like these companies just really do not know how to deal with these literal armies of trolls that are like making this content. Like it literally is like a content machine that like spits out all of these fake stories and like not even stories sometimes. Sometimes it's just like really like hastily put together memes. And like, I'm not quite sure how much money they make off this. Like, and I don't even think their motivation is money. I think it's just to like kind of like, reaffirm like pre-existing biases and like i like i don't know like it's just 
it's really unbelievable to me that like Facebook has not cracked down on this. And like, even just when was it like today or yesterday when um, the top story on their like trending module was like a literal fake story about bombs being planted in the Twin Towers on 9-11. Oh my god. Like this is literally, and like they, cause like, I don't know, I, I don't know how close you were paying attention to like the Facebook fiasco, but like they recently um, fired all of their human content creators and like decided to replace them with an algorithm that's supposed to sort out like the top trending stories. And like, I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to the top trending stories on Facebook. Like even when they were using human content curators, like I just thought like anything that tended to get to the top of that module was already a day or two old by the time that like it reached that point on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and so like, I never really paid that much attention to it, but like I, yeah, like when I was looking just a few days ago, like on, like, I'm not kidding. Like on the top story was like this fake news article about like Megyn Kelly supposedly being fired from Fox News for being like a closet liberal or something like that. And it was like fake as shit. And like that was up there for like hours. Yeah, their their top story on Friday morning in the top trends on Facebook, which by the way, I don't even know where that is on Facebook. I haven't a fucking clue where to look. I didn't even know things trended on Facebook. But, um, I think pretty recent, like that only popped up in like the last like year or so, but it's like in like the top right hand corner, like see, and like I, I pay like almost zero attention to it, but for some reason, like a few days ago I was looking and then like that's when I saw the Megyn Kelly story and I was like, what the fuck is going on? On Friday morning, the top trend on Facebook was that, um, North Korea had banned sarcasm, uh, oh. which like is is a perfectly believable thing based on what we know about North Korea. But, like, I saw this and thought to myself straight away, like, I guarantee that that's fake. And I went on to Snopes, because they were talking about it on the radio in work and stuff. Like, oh, they've banned sarcasm. What a crazy country. Lol at them. And I went on Snopes straight away, and it's a fake story that actually originated in um, a website called The National Report, which is the yeah. main perpetrator of fake news on the Yeah, internet. it is. I was going to bring them up, too. Yeah, so I, I did a search um, on the Facebook user's age demographics, and the 35 to 54 age range actually has the highest number of users with 31% yeah. of their users. That's 56 million people. And I sort of feel like, and this is completely ageist in every way possible, and I would resent if someone said this about my age uh, range, yeah. but I feel like maybe those people are just less in touch with the internet and more inclined to believe something like that. And also, I think that the older you get and the more set in your ways you become, I, like, I don't know, I feel like this sort of propaganda machine that people are pumping out fake news stories from They've found out what people are afraid of, and therefore they've found out what people are likely to believe. So, like, yeah. if you appeal to Trump supporters and say something like, uh, like, this rapist uh, just walked free into the United States because they don't do background checks, and he just, like, raped and killed a bunch of people, I feel like a lot of people would share that without having to do any fact checks. They just, oh, look, typical, this, this you know, suits my agenda and stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think it's like, I mean, it's obviously very, like, not politically correct to like pinpoint like an entire age group. But like, when I when I think about like the people like in my life that are of that age, like, that, yeah, that really matches up. Like, I, I remember like my mom, like who like, my, like, she shares like a whole bunch of bullshit on Facebook. Like, <laughs> It's not, she's not as bad as it used to be. And like, usually it's like kind of like cute, like human interest stories that she shares, but like, she is really susceptible to that type of fake news. Like Canada is, um, 
going through, like, kind of a national debate on, like, what to do about, like, Syrian refugees, because, like, obviously our prime minister has been, like, very pro, like, let's bring, like, a lot of them in. And, like, we, like, set a quota on, like, how many we were going to bring in. And, like, for some reason, like, my mom started spouting off, like, all this garbage about how, like, if we, like, let in too many Syrian refugees, they're going to take over the country and impose Sharia law. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. And I was like, mother, (laughs) like, you, like, I mean, like, she and she votes liberal like she's like a liberal person like but she I think just like maybe like due to her age or like just to like the fears that have been like drilled into her over like the years since like 9-11 she's just like gotten scared of that and like I don't know like I still like she's somewhat still like pro like refugee she's like yeah like obviously like we should let them in but like we shouldn't let too many in because they will take over the country like it could happen and I was like I didn't even know how to argue with her because I was like that cannot be a, a serious point of view that you actually believe but it was is i guess it is i don't know that's a really common one in the uk well not, i don't want to say really common like everyone thinks this but there is a huge fear of sharia law and it becoming the norm and like there is a perception amongst educated people that sharia law is already enforced in several areas of london and if you walk through those towns with alcohol like you'll you know I don't I don't know what they think is going to happen like you get hanged in the street or whatever but like there are instances of sharia law being used in London to resolve family disputes and stuff like that it's it's basically a court of arbitration which is their right you know like judge judy is an arbitrator that people use and I I don't see anyone being terrified of her apart from maybe <laughs> people who are on the show but that whole thing is a real like I remember I was talking to this guy who I think he's like 37 years old, um, a really like well-educated guy. And he was like, well, Islam is just not compatible with our Western model of democracy. Um, and there's already places in London that are just, you know, Sharia law is in full force. Like my brother recently walked down the street with a bottle of wine and, you know, he got stopped and told he wasn't allowed to drink it and stuff. And there's road checkpoints and stuff. And I was like, this is com- like you were talking utter nonsense here. Like, this is not a true thing that you're talking, like, at all. It, Literally. Yeah, it, it's so strange to me. And, like, I will say that when I was um, a teenager, I absolutely shared those fears, too. Like, mm-hmm. I was really worried about the mass influx of refugees and stuff and how it affected society and all. Mm-hmm. And I think I got to a stage where I just started researching things. I, I don't really know what changed in my perception because I feel like I've always been liberal but that's not actually true like as a teenager I was quite anti-feminist and definitely anti like refugee and stuff and yeah I I don't know when it all changed for me but I mean the statistics are on my side and are definitely on the liberal side when it comes to stories about refugees and you know what kind of crimes they bring and stuff and it, it feels sad to me that when those stories are reported on by even the mainstream media, there's a huge emphasis put on the fear and how this is yeah. going to change your life. And like, this is a really important, which it is a really important thing, but like we can't lose sight of the fact that humans are suffering and need places to go. And historically that's never been a problem when those people have been white and Christian. So, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think like there have been like some instances, like I, like people are kind of dragging up like old instances where like Irish people are like Italian people, like, mass migrated to the u.s and like they were not welcomed or whatever but like i i don't know if like there's been like anything like the scale of like what we're seeing with like the fear towards like refugees that are coming from the middle east yeah it is it's definitely and i think it is due to like the cultural differences and stuff like i am i'm currently uh 
we're, me and my girlfriend are talking about going to Dubai in December and like part of me is a little bit like oh well like that's not really a, like I don't really know if I want to walk around the streets with my girlfriend and have her be shunned for showing her shoulders and stuff like that and like it's an actual like deeply rooted genuine sincere fear that I have in there yeah. But once I do a search on it and like read some stuff about it, you find out that it's it's not like a it's not about female oppression. It's just that that's what their culture is like. It's just completely different to ours, and it's just yeah. the same. Like it, it, you can't think of it as being oppressive just because it's different. It's just that it's not the same as ours, and that's like fine. That's what the world is made of. Like yeah, no, it is very like you have to kind of like look at like cultural relativism in that sort of sense. I mean, I think that like they over there probably think that like our women are oppressed for like the amount of skin that we show yeah and so i don't know yeah like it's it's hard to say like you know our culture is right in the way we treat women like we're clearly not right like we clearly have a long way to go before women are actually like you know treated like equals in a lot of senses but yeah i don't know like it's just such a like complicated topic and like the way information is communicated about like these cultures and these places and these issues like it's just not reaching people or people aren't like accepting it like I can't understand I can't really decide like if it's the media's fault for like not reporting correctly or not reporting enough or if it's like the public's fault for not consuming media responsibly yeah, I, I come to this point myself and wonder, like, what... Because, like, whenever I talk about issues like this, I think that some of the people listening who feel alienated by my point of view think that I'm being holier than thou, when, in fact, it's... I'm kind of being, like, more afraid than thou, like, or whatever. And it's so hard to just get that across, that it's it's a huge cultural issue that we need to address. And it's not a thing where I'm just, like... <sighs> Because, like, everybody has an agenda that they're trying to get across. And I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm being like, oh, well, you have absolutely no point in what you're talking about. This is all completely yeah. made up or whatever. It's just that when people use fake stories to push their agenda, like, that is a serious issue. And I, like, I, I read this uh, thing online about how we're living in what's called the post-truth era, which was a, yeah. a term point. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's like, I, I, the, it's defined on the internet as... Um, well, post-truth politics is a political culture in which debate is framed largely by appeals to emotion, disconnected from the details of policy and by the repeated assertion of talking points to which factual rebuttals are ignored, which is a thing that I don't know how familiar you are with the whole Brexit movement, but I'm, you definitely read about it. Um, yeah, I'm probably as familiar as like any person in like any average person in North America would be. Like I've, I've like tried to read as much as possible about it. Yeah. But you, you're way more in tune with that well it's it's a thing where their whole argument like the main crux of the um leave campaign's argument was that we will have 350 million pounds a week oh god yeah to, and like this figure has been debunked like so many times but it but doesn't matter like they people still, still reference it like yeah. i don't understand and it's the same way with donald trump talking about like oh we'll build a wall like we're gonna build a wall we're gonna keep out all the criminals it's like crime has gone down, like all of the illegal immigration, all of the crime caused by illegal immigrants, all of that stuff has gone down statistically. And that's not saying, oh, well, it's going down, it'll solve itself, ignore it. But treating it like it's an yeah. issue that needs to be addressed immediately is an appeal to emotion. And it's not a thing 
that's gonna enhance the country in like any yeah, significant yeah. way. It like the whole idea that this will make America great again. I just I don't understand what it means to be a person that thinks that that's correct. Like when was it great last? Like what are you using here as your ballpark? Like, well, whom was it great for? Like who like. I think, I, I, like, I don't know, like, you can, like, debate all day whether or not, like, people are trying to get back to a place where, like, white supremacists, like, ruled the country and, like, minorities were, like, kept in their place or whatever. Like, I think, I don't know, like, even, like, just, like, the concept of the wall itself, like, has been debunked so yeah. many times. There's just, like, no literal way that you can build like, a physical wall of, like, the proportions that he has been describing, like, in the amount of time that he's been describing, like, and have Mexico pay for it, first of all. Like, there's just, like, you know, there's, like, no possible way that it could happen. And yet, like, how many people are, like, voting for Donald Trump at this point? And, like, they all seem to believe that it's, like, a thing that's going to happen. Yeah, it's kind of terrifying. One of the no, things... it is horrifying. And, like, you can't... But you can't explain it to people. Like, people just don't... Like, they don't want to hear it. It's very much, like, well, I believe that this is the truth. And so, like, therefore, like, it is. It's like I, I try and think of instances where I am that blind and I'm sure that they definitely exist. Like I'm sure that a lot of my followers or whatever like are gonna leave comments and say, like, Oh, El De Niro, you you think that women are way more oppressed than they actually are and stuff. But these are issues where when I feel really strongly about it, like I will do the research and I'm not saying that my research is perfect, because it's definitely not. And like one of the great things about this podcast is that when people have an issue with what I say they tend to do it in a very, like, respectful way and, like, oh, look, you didn't look at this properly or whatever. And I just can't find something where I'm so blindly, like, in belief of <laughs> something so yeah drastic, like, something that would bring forward, like, such a great change. Like, I just don't... I don't know. And, and I wonder, like... <laughs> obviously, if I lived the exact same life that that person has lived, this would be a serious issue to me. Yeah. And I kind of think that, I guess... Given that the majority of Trump supporters are um, uneducated white men, like maybe the issue there is that, you know, they need to be educated or people need to be educated better, which has been a huge liberal like cry for a long time that more people yeah. need to be educated. No, I like I, I have like followed that exact same train of thought. And I think like a lot of what the problem is, too, is that there's this like sense like from the media that like when you write a story or report a story, like, you have to get, like, both sides of the argument. And, like, that in this election is just not working because, yeah. like, you can't equate, like, some of these, like, insane things that Donald Trump is spouting with, like, you know, like, the things that, like, the Democrats are promoting. Like, you just, like, there, it's, like, equating those two is, like, or equating, like, those types of, like, points of view or, like, those perspectives is just, like, doing a huge disservice to the public. And, and also, I find it really terrifying that the perception of Hillary Clinton as a crooked politician is treated like a fact. Like, yeah. it's not even up for debate. And yet, Donald Trump has done so many, like, shady things, both morally, morally ethically, and just in a, in a business manner. Like, yeah. there are so many instances of things that are just not being documented and not being... It's all of his crazy stuff is getting reported on, and that's gaining traction and getting him followers and stuff. 
And he refers to Hillary as crooked Hillary all of the time. And it's the most childish and obscene thing I've ever seen a presidential candidate do. And it's working. Like, even people who comment on this podcast are like, yeah, well, look, Donald Trump is the worst. But let's face it, Hillary is no saint either. And like, I don't even understand fully why. Like, sure, she was against gay marriage, but like, so was Obama. And he's the guy who brought like gay marriage in and stuff. And like, people are allowed to change their opinions over time. Like in 2001... Donald Trump said that the conservatives were gone way too insane. And now he is the pinnacle of an insane Republican like candidate. So people can change the way they think. But the whole I just don't feel like Hillary has been treated fairly at all. And I I just I it scares me a bit. Like I, I read this article the other day in Oh damn it, I can't remember. It was one of the New York um publications and they said that they were afraid that hillary clinton was going to get al gord was the term that they used yeah i read i read part of that as well i actually meant to finish that story and then didn't but yeah no where like the media is just like not like treating them in a fair sense i think was like the point of the story yeah and it's so true though like it's just even people who have no idea of the things that hillary clinton is supposedly crooked about they'll be like yeah well like she she is a liar and she is crooked and these are just things that we know like she's a career politician like would you not rather a career politician be in charge of your country than a fucking like you know a celebrity wannabe (laughs) so i think like I mean, and, like, speaking, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm i not a political reporter, like, I, and, like, I'm, like, relatively new to, like, reporting in general. But, like, what I, like, feel is going on is that, like, a lot of, like, the mainstream outlets, like, when they attack Hillary Clinton, like, I, like, I think there's a sense that, like, because, like, Donald Trump is, like, so outrageous and everything he does is, like, so ridiculous and, like, generates so much media attention that there's a sense that, like, if people aren't covering Hillary Clinton as vigorously or, like, you know, blowing things out of proportion in the same way that, like, they do with Donald Trump, then, like, they're not doing their jobs and they're not being fair. So there's this, like, false equivalency thing, like, there again, where, like, people, like, reporters feel the need to attack Clinton for every little thing just because, like, they're concerned that if they don't, like, they'll be accused of media bias. That's, I never thought of that, and that's pretty interesting. And I think, like, I mean, like, I think one of the best examples just came, like, like, a week or two ago, like, when the AP was reporting on, like, the Clinton Foundation, and, like, they sent off this tweet that has since been deleted after, like, two weeks, where it was, like, it said something like, half of the people that Hillary Clinton met with when she was Secretary of State donated to the Clinton Foundation, which is, like, so journalistically irresponsible. Like, it was not half. Like, it was, like, half of the people that they analyzed that weren't there for, like, diplomatic purposes. So, like, I think they, like, took, like, they, like, looked at her schedule, and they found that, like, half of, like, a certain group of people, like, and it turned out to be, like, I don't know, like, like, a hundred and, like, or, like, a little bit more than a hundred or whatever had, like, donated to the Clinton Foundation, like, after meeting with Hillary Clinton, but it was nowhere near, like, half of the amount of people that Clinton actually met with, and so it was, like, grossly misleading, and, like, the AP, like, stuck by that tweet for, like, a couple of weeks, and it really, like, helped, like, further this narrative that, like, Clinton had been, you know, very shady with her with her practices with the clinton foundation like while she was secretary of state and it's just like it was i think it was like a pretty clear example of like the media really trying to prove to like their readers that they were being fair in this election when like they really weren't being fair like they weren't fair to clinton at all and like they ended up having to delete the tweet and like apologize for it and um i mean i think we're seeing that again as well with like her illness too like it's being i don't know i haven't really like 
checked Twitter in like the last hour or so, but like, I'm sure it's going on with like, you know, what just happened with her collapsing, but it's just like people like reporters, like don't quite know how to handle someone out as outrageous as Donald Trump. And so like the way that they're handling it is doubling down on Hillary Clinton. Yeah. I, I, I find that to be kind of crazy. Like if that is what's happening, because it's so harmful, like, in the long it is, run. It is so harmful. It's just not a thing that... Like, I, I haven't seen it reported in many places that the the Hillary, the Clinton Foundation has, like, um, an A... Um, like, an independent watchdog scored it as a charity and how, how well it, like, scores overall or whatever. I don't understand fully what their criteria was. But it's it's got a higher score than the Red Cross Foundation, Right. I read that too. And I think that like the watchdog group that like scored that might in some way be affiliated with like the Clinton foundation or with like Hillary or Bill Clinton or something like that. Like, I yeah, I mean like, I don't know. Don't take my word a hundred percent for that. I'm not sure where I read that, but, um, yeah. yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, it's really hard to trust like what you're reading. Like when I read something like that, like, I don't know whether to say like, Oh, okay. Then like my concerns about Clinton are alleviated. Or if I should say like, oh, like, you can't trust that, like, mainstream media source because it's the mainstream media. Yeah. Well, like, I, I, I haven't seen it reported anywhere about, like, shady stuff that Donald Trump has done. Like, I read earlier in that one article, and it's the only place I've seen it, that uh, Trump apparently made some payments to the the district attorney in relation to... Um, the Pam Bondi stuff? Uh, no, it was, like, investigators to his um, his education thing. Like oh, the, the Trump University stuff? The Trump University, yeah. Like, he, he made some payments so that they would sort of, you know, be quiet. And that seems like... I think if Hillary did that, I think... I feel like she would be, like, you know... Eviscerated. Yeah, like, destroyed. Yeah, I mean, I think, like... Yeah, I've seen, like, a lot of reporting on this in, like, the last few days. Like, um, sketchy, like, Trump University stuff. Like, sketchy, like, Trump, like philanthropy stuff sketchy like Pam Bondi whatever it was and um I mean it's stuff that would like in normal circumstances like eat up like news cycle after news cycle but like just because like he bounces from controversy to controversy like from like insane statement to insane statement like nothing sticks to him yeah it's you know like you can't like make anything stick because it's just like a whirlwind of, like, insane things that happen that, like, the media has to, like, jump to, like, instead of, like, honing in on, like, one thing. And I think, like, with Clinton, like, people spend more time on her gaffe, like, like people spend more time on um, the Clinton Foundation controversy and they spend more time on, like, her recent statement about, like, the basket of deplorables because, like, she doesn't have as many insane things that she does yeah. on the trail. And so people really, like, double down on, like, whatever they can, like, put on her and... With Donald Trump, it's just, like, it's almost kind of, like, like fatigue. Like, people are, like, fatigued about, like, reading about all this crazy shit that he's done. And, like, it's at a point where, like, I even find it difficult myself to, like, care when new controversy, when new controversies, like, come out about, like, his, um, like, about Trump University. It's kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, he is, like, a sketchy businessman. Like, I do expect that kind of stuff from him, and so it fails to provoke the kind of outrage that, like, it used to when I when I was first, like, reading about these things. That's interesting. <laughs> like, just an idea that sort of all of the liberal or, like, the Democrat voters have just become so numb to the, like, it is, like yeah, river it's, it's, of insane things about Trump that are... Because, like, he has commented 
every possible way on every possible thing. So no one knows what he actually fucking thinks about anything. Oh, it's true. Yeah. And I mean, I think like there you like there are different things that you can point out that really did stick to Trump, like his controversy with like the Khan family and like 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 that really, really stuck to him for a long time. And then um, even like something I still see brought up, like when like news outlets are like listing like the various like controversies that like Trump has um, perpetuated, like like when he mocked the disabled reporter from the New York Times, like certain things like stick to him more than others. And I've been trying to kind of sort out in my mind, like what does stick and what doesn't stick. And like, it seems to kind of be like whenever there's like, you know, a specific like face that you could put on like someone that like Trump has like hurt or like shamed or like made fun of or whatever, like that seems to kind of like resonate with people a little bit more than like when he has like ripped off like a whole bunch of like potential Trump university students. I think that's the nature of his, um, demeanor as a candidate in that he's not a presidential candidate and this is just a celebrity on the craziest pr stunt of all time yeah like it's it's like even like i don't care as much about stuff that he said about like global warming being a chinese conspiracy and stuff more that like i don't care about that more than i care about just insane things that he said or like the fact that he's changed his opinion in, like, the same conversation over yeah. and stuff. He just, yeah. it's like he's constantly, like, wriggling in and trying to find the correct thing to say, but in actual fact, he's just, like, he, I saw a great tweet um a while ago that was, like, in a few years, Trump is going to deny that he ever even ran for presidency. And, like, that's, <laughs> I could just see him, like, like on fucking, like, I don't know, Jay Leno or something, even though I don't think he has a show anymore. <laughs> but I could imagine, <laughs> like... Um, so, uh, when you ran for president and him going, I never did that. No, I never, I never ran for president at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, that's, no, I could I, see that happening. It's so true. Like, it's true I, I the totally mind. see that happening. No, did you see, like, there was, like, I don't know, like, another controversy, like, a, a week or two back when he was, like, kind of, like, changing, like, his entire stance on immigration. And, like, he had his surrogates, like, on all of the morning talk shows being, like, no, 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 Mr. Trump didn't, like, change his stance on immigration. He just changed the wording that he's using to describe his immigration stance. Yeah. And it's just, like, like, what kind of, like, bullshit truth are you trying to play with? Like, like you literally cannot make up this shit. That, like. Uh- I know why he did that, and it was like a it was a political power play. It, because now that he's made it so far off of being an insane, crazy man on TV, he has to like wind it down a bit because it's getting serious now. And if the GOP is going to stand any chance of like you know being in the White House, yeah, uh, like come the come the time that it comes, he has to he has to attract more voters, and that's why he's being so like, oh look this many black people are unemployed. Like, that's not fair. And, like, when he says stuff like that, it's, like, it, it's true. And he's even fucked up the statistics on that. Like, what he's saying is completely disingenuous and, yeah. like, so sketchy and debatable. And he's doing that to appeal to the very people that he absolutely does not care about at all. And, like... I don't even know if he's... Like, I don't think he's doing it to appeal to, like, the people he doesn't care about. I think he's doing it to appeal to, like, people who, like like, white people who might have been on the fence about, like, Donald Trump and, like, have been concerned about some of his, like, racist comments. And, like, I think he's trying to just, like, persuade more white people to vote for him. Like, I don't think when he went to, like, that black church in Detroit, I don't think he had, like, a single intention of winning over black voters. It was all to, like, make it or to try and make it apparent that he is not a huge racist. I think that was done to convince white people, not black people. That's actually a really interesting point that I hadn't considered at all. I, I just assumed that he was trying to 
appeal to no i don't i don't think it is like i think it's all being done to like to persuade like like middle class like upper middle class like white republicans who maybe are like oh but like i don't want to vote for like a racist yeah and so this is kind of an excuse for him to say like but look like i'm not a racist like i went to this church like i had these conversations like i'm concerned about these statistics just like you are and like i think it's kind of like maybe like the hope is to like make it more acceptable for like those republicans to like vote for him when like otherwise they might have like sat out this election or like voted for like a third party candidate um is there a fake news story that you were completely sold by? Not that I can recall. Because, like, usually, like, when I see, like, fake news stories, like, popping up on, like, Twitter or, like, in the news cycle, like, usually they've already been debunked for me. Like, when I saw that, like, Megan Kelly thing the other week, like, I was instantly kind of like, oh, that's not true. Um, but, like, yeah, usually, like, when, when they, like have come to my attention like they've already been debunked and I think that's just because of like the news consumer that I am like when I see like articles being shared on Facebook that are clearly not true like they'll be from like like yeah like the national report or like something called like the daily wire or whatever I mean like I know like the news sources that I trust yeah and so like if I see things that like titles that I'm not familiar with like I don't like I I don't I never take those claims seriously I I like I'm completely embarrassed by this to a point but also lots of people who I respect and whose intelligence I believe in uh, also fell for the same story. But it was this one about the world's first head trans head transplant. Oh, I think I have seen that. Yeah, it like <laughs> it was talked about on the radio. Like we have a radio in work and I have had to actually like bring my own headphones to work now and I can't listen to the radio anymore I'm so like I, in fact I think radio in general from what I understand seems to be like the forefront for stories like this to break into like I think so yeah it, it's actually horrible the, the, like but the world's first head transplant one like I heard about it and they were talking about it and like um even there's a forum that I'm on all the time and it's also full of really intelligent people and they all discussed it like it was a real thing that happened and I was like okay cool like <laughs> I know nothing about any <laughs> transplant of any kind like you could probably tell me that you know there's some hard drive connected to my heart and I'd be like yeah cool like I mean that sounds about it right like, legit. yeah yeah so it just made sense to me where I was like, well, that makes sense. So, like, you can do heart transplants and, like, you can transplant, like, skin from one part of the body to the other. Or you can use hormones to regrow certain things if you do it, like, within a certain time period and stuff. So, I was like, yeah. Like, maybe they've been a bit liberal with describing it as a head transplant as such. But, yeah, I mean, I'll go along with that. Turns out that was completely fake. Yeah. And it was from that guy, um... Paul Horner, who owns the National Report website, um, who I would love to know how much money he makes from the type of drivel that he regularly produces, but I understand that the algorithm change on Facebook actually really hurt his business plan, so yeah. um, hopefully that's the case. There was another story that the radio ran with that was like um, Yoko Ono announcing that back in the day she had a, a relationship with Hillary Clinton. And they were talking about this on the radio as though it were a complete fact. And they were like, yeah, well, that makes sense, you know. Um, Yoko Ono, very liberal, blah, blah, blah. And, like, it, obviously that's, that's complete yeah. fucking nonsense. But people get duped, like, so well. To, to the point where, and I hate this about myself, because I'm very, very, well, I used to be very, very cynical. I'm less cynical now. But 
when people who I respect tell me something that they heard in the news, I cannot straight up get get outraged with them or like you know express shock with them. I have to be like, all right, well, I'm gonna wait till I get home and, and yeah. find out for myself if that's actually what happened because I don't believe you. And like, I feel like such a dick when I do that because I I feel like I'm being like like superior in some way intellectually superior or whatever no I have like I have had that exact experience like so many times where it's like oh no wait like I mean that seems like it's really crazy but I have to reserve judgment until I can figure it out for myself because like yeah you know it's happened to me too many times where like I've fallen into a trap where like I've like been like yeah like just pulled into something that like is not at all based in fact but like you know just due to my own ignorance or due to like you know, my own, like, pre-existing biases, like, I have somehow, like, ended up believing something that isn't true, and so, yeah, no, I, I do that exact same thing as well, like, with, yeah, with people that I respect, like, with, like, you know, friends that are, like, very informed on things, and it does suck, like, it just, it's weird, because, like, when I, like, when I hear things now, like, I just, like, I can't ever actually, like, believe it the first time around. Yeah, and there's so many ways that this can be avoided with, like, you know that guy Milo Yiannopoulos? Oh, yeah. So, like, he is the absolute worst. And yep. this is the first time I've ever even spoke about him in any capacity. Um, but one of the things that is a credit to him is his ability to win debates with feminists. And he does it because there is so much information available in the world right now that if you have an agenda and, like, the like the will to go and argue your point, you can pull statistics to frame your argument in such a way that it is not wrong, technically. Yes, yes. he wins arguments because he's right in what he's saying. Like, you know, all of the statistical evidence he brings to those debates, like, they are correct, technically. You know what I mean? Like, so he goes into those um, arguments completely armed with facts, and he wins the arguments, and that's why he has such a large following, is because, like, he's right, (laughs) technically, but, you know, he's, he's, I don't know. I mean, what no, he I is seeing. Like a difficult thing because, like, you have to kind of just, like, decide for yourself, like, do I, like, believe that then? Or, like, what do I believe? Like, do I kind of, like, ignore certain facts to, like, fit my own narrative? Like, it's yeah. just, it's a real mindfuck. Yeah, completely. One of my, one of my really, really good friends who is genuinely the most intelligent person I have ever known in my entire life. He's, he's, like, technically a doctor. Um, he's in, like, his eighth fucking year of education because he's done all of the things in, in medicine and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Uh, but he he did like philosophy for a while and like whenever I talk to him about just things like consciousness or philosophy like my mind just gets so fucking blown like he's so intelligent but he's a fan of Milo Yiannopoulos and this like presents me with this like every time we meet we argue about the exact things that he argues about and I don't know like the guy is so intelligent and it's just this is the way that he sees the world and it's like we're both experiencing the exact same world. I, yeah. I kind of feel like maybe he's been in education for so long that he has adapted this sort of maybe privileged sort of outlook. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't understand why other people would be outraged or offended at a certain thing. And, and like, even when I think about that, I think I'm being sort of like as if I know everything. Yeah, yeah. It makes me doubt myself, even though, like, I know that they have these statistics that they say, but there are so many other ways in which, like, women are actually not treated the same as men that really do need to be addressed. But when you bring 
statistics about how, oh no, it's actually fine. Look, all of these women are happy, like, and stuff like that. It, it just, it, it sort of muddies the water a little bit and it's, I don't know. I mean, some people just don't want there to be progression. They think that the world is fine the way that it is. And like, who am I to say that they're wrong? Because in their minds, they are completely right. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. And like, I mean, like, we have like a similar kind of guy um, in Canada, Ezra Levant, who like does like a, a really similar thing. Like he'll take statistics that like you've never heard of, but like presumably are accurate and just kind of twist an argument in his favor and make you doubt every single thing that you thought of. Yeah. And, like, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I've got, I kind of reached the point where I'm, like, I don't really trust, like, anything that I think anymore. And it's kind of, like, a scary place to be in. Yeah, I know. And there's just, like, I've always been so good at arguing. Like, it's, like, ever since I was a kid in school, like, I would argue with the teachers. And yeah. I knew that I was right because they would end their arguments with, because that's just the way it is, or whatever. And I was, like, <laughs> all right, yeah, we all know who won this argument. Uh, and like I remember one day in school we had like a free class and the substitute teacher was like all right look I don't know anything about this subject so we're just going to do some debates and everyone was like oh, I, I want him on our team um and like I won every debate and like I've never had to really try because I, I was very convincing in my arguments and stuff but if I were to come up against him like I would absolutely lose it's, yeah like, to the point where I would be stumped. I would have no comeback. And, like, that really hurts. Like, just yeah. that that's how it would go. And, like, all of these things that I thought were completely correct. It's not even that I doubt them. It's because of, like, cognitive dissonance. I will still be in the face of, like, statistical evidence. I'll still be like, well, no, I'm right because... And I have to be so sure that I am actually, like, doing the right thing. And, and like, ultimately searching for the truth, which I don't feel like most of like any fake news website is but i think i've gotten to a point where i believe that the people who are producing this kind of content are doing it because they believe you know the end justifies the means in some way and that it has to you know it doesn't matter if it's a lie it's actually yeah. true we're just all afraid to say that it's true or whatever yeah yeah no i know what you mean i don't know it's like a fucking scary world to be consuming information in like i don't even like i have to grapple with this like every day at my job and i'm like i don't know what's really true like i just don't know enough i feel like i never know enough about arguments to like make a good case for anything yeah i feel like that too but i also have this sort of strain cuz like i'm not the most confident person in the world but when it comes to arguing about the things that I care about I am just I feel almost overconfident to the point where most of the people that I would tend to argue with kind of get blown out of the water by how sure I am of myself yeah but then when I'm faced with similar situations I'm like hmm actually I don't yeah know. yeah Ugh, I don't know I like I wish I had like an answer I wish I had a like well if you like do this then like that's how you know that, like, this piece of news is true, or, like, that's how you know that this argument is the correct one. But, like, I do not have that answer. Yeah. Well, when we're dealing with emotive and divisive topics, there's not really ever going to be a definitive answer other than what the people actually take away from it. Yeah, but I think I think that's true. I'd really like to find a way to encourage people to just not fall for this type of bullshit. And I don't know how, because... Even, like, I get people tweeting me, like, oh, hey, man, what do you think of this? And I'll be like, well, this is complete bullshit, and it's fake. And they'll be like, oh, sorry, I thought it was real. And, like, I really want to get the point across, like, be more fucking vigilant about what yeah. you're digesting here. Because, like, it is important. Like, Britain just voted to leave the EU, and they didn't do it because of the facts. 
like Michael Gove said, people are sick of experts. People in this country have had enough of oh god, I know of, um, what the three-letter acronym companies telling us this and that. People don't want that anymore. And like, I feel like when we continue to muddy the water like this and allow this like type of bullshit to to float to the top, people <laughs> are getting sick of the truth and they want to just believe in you know, their... They feel, yeah. Yeah, their racial prejudices and stuff like that. Yeah, like their gut instincts or whatever it is. That yeah, they... they just want to know that those, like, inner prejudices are correct. Like, they just want confirmation of that. Like, it's, like, I don't know. Like, even I know from being um, cynical about certain people that I can provoke a certain reaction from them if I act in a certain way. And then when it happens... I get this really, like, perverse satisfaction where I'm like, I fucking knew this guy was a racist or whatever. <laughs> and, like, it's just the opposite thing that's happening. So, like, uh, like at no point am I trying to say, like, that I am better than everyone else because of the way that I act or the way that I consume media or whatever. <laughs> but I think it's just really important to be vigilant about what the media that you're consuming is, like... I think so. But I mean, I think it's also so hard. I mean, like I had a I, I have a colleague at Business Insider, like the politics editor who just released a couple of weeks ago, like this, like, amazing report about conservative media and the way that they've undermined like liberal media over the last like decade or so. And he brought he brought forth so many good points about, you know, like you can kind of you can tell people like, yeah, be vigilant about like the media that you consume. And like, I mean, whenever like I speak to like, you know, my mom or something like that. And I say things like, don't like believe these websites. Like when you like look at like the websites that you're like reading from, like make sure it's something like legitimate, like the New York times or like the globe and mail or like, you know, like a legitimate media source, but like trust in those institutions has been so severely undermined in like the last decade. Like you always hear like conservatives criticizing like the mainstream media for their liberal biases. And like when you talk to people like who are, I guess, like, fervent Trump supporters, like, in a lot of cases, like, you'll try and explain to them, like, oh, like, you know, like, this thing that you're saying is, like, it's been debunked, like, it's wrong, like, the New York Times has done this report on it or whatever, and, like, they'll come back at you and say, like, oh, but, like, that's, like, like, that's the mainstream media, like, they've got a liberal bias, so, like, people, like, don't even trust, like, legitimate institutions that have been, like, doing their jobs for, like, centuries like and like have normally been like so well trusted in the past like people like have no faith in those institutions anymore and it's because they've been so severely undercut yeah and i think that people are so tribal like that if you give anyone like an inch in favor of their tribalistic tendency or whatever like they will just gobble that up straight away like there's one of my friends told me yesterday um to you know uh you know you the sport soccer you call it soccer over there um when they With on the, like black and white ball like not football yeah the like a round ball not a okay yeah not a, whatever <laughs> yeah. the egg one is um gotcha. well when the premier league which is the english football association league when they announce which referee is refereeing certain fixtures amongst the bigger teams if you read the comments they announce it on twitter so they'll be like oh the referee for this game is michael oliver and like, this game between Arsenal and Chelsea is refereed by Michael Oliver. And the comments underneath, like, the replies, the tweets, are people from both sides saying, ah, oh, well, this guy hates us, so we're not going to, like, do well in this game and stuff. And I always go back to football when I'm thinking about how people get divided amongst different things and how... Because I, I think sports really brings out this 
scary and sort of terrifying ability in seemingly normal people to just transform into absolute monsters who yeah. believe in, in insane conspiracies and stuff like that. Um, and I always, I like, my friend just told me to do that yesterday and look at the comments, and I did, and I was like, oh, Jesus, we're actually doomed as a society. <laughs> like, this is the way people react over such a simple thing. And I think um, politics has, I don't know if this is because I used to be, like, I'm, I feel like I've only been an adult for, like, a few months now, <laughs> even though I'm 25. Um, I don't really know how adults have always reacted to politics, but I feel like in this era, we react to it way more so as though it were a sport than ever before. Like, I just don't think we care about policies or experts, as Michael Gove said, or things like that anymore. We care about other things like like what supermarket this person shops at or, you yeah. know, like rather than... I don't know. I, I feel like politics has become more mainstream in it's sort of a terrifying way since the advent of the internet and like a lot of subjects that I talk about on this um, podcast I don't feel like it's gotten worse with time I just feel like it's been amplified by the existence of the internet and the information available to us yeah I think you're right and like I mean I don't know like I can't really speak to that either because like I really don't recall like what media consumption was like in previous elections yeah. or like a couple of decades ago like I don't know like I I don't think that it was like as polarized as it is and I think that there there was probably a lot more trust in like mainstream outlets than there is now yeah I think so like I it's really interesting that in the UK they have the BBC which is a like yeah. um unbiased whatever they're they're completely um, they're not supposed to have any agenda on anything, and yet people from both sides of the coin both think that the BBC is consistently discriminating against them. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, you see things like that, and I think as well conspiracy theorists have just really, really been on the rise in the last 15 years or so. Yeah, now that, like, they have the internet to, like, promote yeah. their shit. And, and, like, I, I feel like... I feel like the people who are so convinced that the media is biased. I feel like the extreme version of that is Alex Jones listening, you know, crazy reptilian fearing man who lives in a bunker somewhere. Like, I, I kind of, I'm afraid that, like, when people get terrified of the media being biased or whatever, if you just pull away at that tread a little bit more, like, you turn that person into a paranoid mess <laughs> of a human. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I mean, like, there's a problem because, like, there is, like, there is media bias, like, obviously, like, there's, like, a good reason that people criticize, like, the New York Times and, like, you know, institutions like that that have been around for a really long time. Like, it's true, like, they, they do, like, tend to, like, squeeze stories into, like, you know, like, their own narratives or whatever. But, like, I mean, like, when you, like, don't trust them, like, so much as so, like, you find your information from, like, other sources or, like, when you try and, like, just like, use, like, bullshit news outlets to, like, support your own fears or whatever. Like, yeah. I think that's where, like, the problem comes in. And, like, I don't know, like, how to bring any sort of trust back. Yeah, yeah. I, I always worry, like, whenever I think of America, I'm always like, oh, and, like, yeah, they have that whole institutionalized racism thing. They really need to fix that. But it's kind of too far gone now. 
Oh, and yeah. they have that gun problem. Like, that's really bad. That needs to be fixed. That's kind of too far gone as well. Their political yeah. system, that's just a two-party thing, and that's uh, that's too far gone as well. <laughs> and like, and yeah. I get to this point, oh, shit, like, the world is fucked. There's just nothing <laughs> to do about it. Yeah, no, I, that's basically the conclusion I've come to, too. We're just, like, we're, like, in a death spiral, and, like, I don't quite see a way out of it. And, like, it scares me, too, because I, sometimes I think, like, oh, you know, even if, like, Donald Trump, like, loses this election or whatever, like, He's not, like, he's not going to disappear. Yeah. Like, what he's woken up in, like, this country is not, like, it's not reversible. Like, it's not going to go away. It's not as though, like, Hillary Clinton's going to win and we're all going to go back to, like, some period in the 90s where, like, we all, like, trust the media and everything's great. Like, we're, like, like, this, you can't put this back into the box, you know? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that is a terrifying conclusion that I've come to as well. We, yeah, we and I, I really try not to think about that a lot, but, um, I mean, it's, like, a true thing that we're going to have to deal with. I know that's like um one of the main things that I like just generally do is like I love like whenever I consume any piece of pop culture or whatever I have to like like I have to go on the internet see what everyone says about it I have to dissect it yeah. until I've fully interpreted it as an art form and stuff and over the last few years I've started doing that with society because I'm a pretentious dickhead probably <laughs> um I I came up with this like theory um that is not something that I'm sure I believe yet, but I mentioned it on a previous episode that we did, which was about like specifically about fear mongering and how the media is being a little bit irresponsible. Um, and it's just that like if you look at say the culture in the eighties and stuff, like a lot of movies about um, like you know government control, a lot of dystopian stuff came out. Like and and it's because the culture, the way that it was, everyone was afraid of Russia, so every movie sort of reflects that in some way yeah and i feel like nowadays all of the culture is about horrible dystopian apocalyptic futures yeah Yeah. and i feel like that is really reflecting this general consensus and this like unspoken belief that the world is doomed like (laughs) it's too far gone like global warming will wipe us out if north korea and iran doesn't or whatever but like I, th- I think people just have this really innate, convinced belief that we are on our way out and nothing really matters apart from now. So yeah, why not? Let's give Donald Trump a run or whatever. Like a, yeah, geez, or like it's, it's the, kind of scary. Like I hadn't really like put those thoughts into words, but like I think that's definitely what I've been feeling at least. Yeah, that's sort of I don't know. I like I'm sure I am wrong because people are better than that right like aren't they um (laughs) i i thought so but like i don't think that anymore yeah i thought so and then brexit happened and then it was like ah we are actually fucked like yeah like that was like that was a huge wake-up call for me i mean like even like over over here we're like i don't think like a lot of people really paid attention to it until like it was actually like upon us like i was just like completely shocked like i thought in no possible way would that ever happen but like it did and like there's all these things happening now that I never imagined would happen and yet they are yeah and like I don't know I mean like as much as like I thought like you know like oh people are like you like you we should have faith in people like they're everyone's like good at heart and like not racist or whatever um but like yeah no like I don't like I don't know like I don't think people are that good no, I don't think so. I think, like, everyone has, like, everyone is racist in some way. Like, we all have these inner biases that 
you know we are afraid of or that we don't really fully understand but we know it's not kind of like be consistently like confronting those fears and like to not like really address them like within yourself like i think like that's like the real racism and like people have just like tried to make it like acceptable to like flaunt those fears and like those biases yeah that's what i was gonna say is that like just being a good person is overcoming those things and understanding that they're not the actual like we don't all live in a fucking jungle that's you know like we don't have to go and fight for meals or whatever like anymore yeah um I, i i do this thing um whenever I get into a taxi and the taxi driver says something that's borderline racist where I act like I am also a racist and I start slowly (laughs) pulling at the tread to see. And like (laughs) what I do is like, I'm just like, yeah, I know it's a joke. And like the Polish people coming over, Oh, don't get me started. And now they want to let in these refugees. And like, it starts out with a guy saying something like, Oh, there's too many Polish people. And by the end of the journey, he's like Sieg heiling out the window. (laughs) Like it's, I've started doing that for my own entertainment because when I get drunk, I have a tendency to like argue with people and I'm only ever in a taxi when I'm drunk. And like, I just don't really like, I'm kind of at a point in my life where I'm really sick of arguing with people and I'm really sick of being angry at stuff. So I'm trying to just like be positive all the time. So when someone says something like that to me, my first reaction isn't, oh, this guy's a fucking idiot. My first reaction is like, wonder how far I can take this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's not good. It's not a good way to be, and I wouldn't recommend it, but I just always am looking to avoid, like, confrontation. And yeah. I, I sort of think that that's a thing that we've lost sight of as well, is just not having to argue everything all the time. Like, it's exhausting. It is exhausting. I know, and I go out of my way to not get in an argument. Like, if I ever hear, like, people around me, like, disagreeing with me politically, like, I almost will never, ever say anything. Do you think that's because you're Canadian and you just... Uh, you know what? Yeah, like, I, I've tried to, like, kind of, like, figure out what is actually going on in my brain when that happens. I think, like, like maybe part of it is, like, cultural, where, yeah, like, we yeah. just try to get along. But, like, I mean, I think even in Canada sometimes, like, I would just, like like, defer and, like, not really, like, address, like, an argument that's, like, right in front of me. And I think, like, maybe, like, that's, like, partly because of, like, my gender. Like, maybe it's partly because of, like, my ethnicity. Like, maybe it's just because, like, I was, like, a shy kid growing up. Like, I don't know what exactly it is. Like, but I think that, like, I think it's been exacerbated as I've grown up. And I think, like, I mean, now I'm, like, a lot less willing to argue than, like, I used to be. Yeah. Maybe it was part of just, like, me not being, like, an angry teenager anymore. Or, like, maybe it's just because, like... I'm just, like, too scared of the world to even, like, come yeah. out of I think I have, like, a yeah, I think I have a, a little bit of, like, both of those things where I'm just, like, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm tired of arguing with people, but also, I, like, I've argued with so many people who are just openly racist, and I've tried to tell them that they're wrong, and, like, blah, 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 and, like, it never goes anywhere, and you know that old saying about arguing with a fool, like, it's so true, you, like, you're just wasting your time, and it's just... It is, yeah, no, it's, it's really true. But if I could end on one note, it would be to just tell people to be vigilant about the things that they're reading. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, like ways that people can be more like aware of what they're consuming or anything, like from a journalistic point of view, maybe. I mean, like, yeah, kind of. I mean, like, I I always advise people to kind of like 
find, like, I mean, I don't know, like, people who are on Twitter, like, I, I advise them to, like, look up journalists that they respect and, like, kind of keep an eye, like, when they're reading articles, like, where does the article come from? Like, who is the journalist that wrote it? Is it someone that you respect or is it someone you've never heard of? I also, like, would advise to, like, look at how the article is written and is structured. Like, sometimes, like, I'll find myself, like, reading some crazy story and then, like, I won't really re realize until afterwards that, like, the journalist or, like, the article, like, has not quoted a single source. Or, yeah. like, they named a single source. Like, and, like, you really want to look at, like, where, like, the sources of information are coming from. Like, is there, like, some sort of, like, named source that they can put the information on? Like, like is this information coming from, like, the government? Is it coming from, like, an expert, like, a, like, a, like an acclaimed expert from, like, a prestigious university? Is it coming from, like, some guy who's, like, the head of some, like, extremely right-wing think tank? Or whatever, like, I mean, it's all about, like, kind of, like, identifying where the information is coming from and deciding, like, whether or not you trust it. Like, I noticed that, like, a lot of times, like, when, especially because, like, I used to cover, like, a lot of immigration-related stories when I was at my old internship. Yeah. And so I kind of got, like, familiar with, like, which think tanks I was okay interviewing and which think tanks, like, to, like, kind of avoid because they were just very, like, I found that they promoted, like, a lot of conspiracy theories and could never really, like, back up their information. Yeah. And so, like... When I look at, like, some of, like, like the articles now that, like, get spread around by, like, my friends or, like, by, like, legitimate sources, too, and, like, I notice that they'll quote, like, some, like, crazy, like, libertarian, like, so-called expert or whatever, like, I know that, like, I wouldn't trust information coming from that source, but, like, I don't think everyone else does, and so, yeah. like, I would, I would just, I don't know, I mean, it seems like a lot of work to kind of tell your average media consumer, like, know the publication that it's coming from, know the journalist, find out if you trust them, like, look at, like, all of the different sources that they're using. But, like, I think, like, I mean, even taking, like, small steps in that direction would be beneficial. I mean, like, if there's a story that isn't, like, quoting anybody that's named, like, maybe, like, take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, that that's actually the hallmark of a lot of fake news stories is that they don't even bother to look up, like, who the ministry yeah. for foreign affairs is but they'll say well the ministry of foreign affairs said this <laughs> but they don't yeah. even name the person yeah yeah no it's true and then i think especially like you know you can kind of like fall down a rabbit hole when you're looking at like all the digital outlets that like aggregate stories and i mean like the publication that i work for now and like the publication that i like worked for previously like it i mean it's unavoidable like aggregation is a part of what it is to be like a publication in the digital age so you are going to you know, have to do that kind of stuff. But like, I think that, I mean, especially like during breaking news events, when something's like happening that you're not quite sure and like, you know, news outlets are like getting things wrong or whatever. Like, I think when you're looking at sources that like, that say things like, oh, like this happened according to like, you know, Sputnik news or whatever, like you really have to be careful when it comes to like attributing like information to like other news sources and like I mean I would try like especially like in those breaking news events like I would try to only like get news from like wire services like the Associated Press and Reuters and like you know well-established organizations that have bureaus in like different like foreign countries like the Times and like the Washington Post yeah like it's I mean like we as like a digital publication that's based in New York like we do our best to cover those things but like when we're aggregating like it's it like it's it's impossible to vet all of the information that's coming out. Like at a certain point, we have to kind of be like, oh, like this local news outlet like says this happened, so we're gonna put it in our story. Like, I mean, that's kind of like just like I've accepted like that's what we have to do in those situations. But like, I mean, as a reader, like I would be more inclined to like to like go with like wire service content 
Yeah, I, I actually started following AP on Twitter um, just to read the replies they get to their tweets at first because <laughs> it's just the worst. <laughs> the worst people on the internet are on there. But actually, like, I find myself reading a lot of their stories and it's sort of comforting to know that you are generally reading stuff that comes without a bias and that is, like, factual, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say, like, without a bias. Like, I think yeah, it's dangerous I know, to, yeah. like, yeah, like, that they're, that they're not biased. But I think there is so much to be said for um, organizations like that that have bureaus, like, across the country and across the world where, like, reporters are actually on the ground reporting things. And, like, I worked for yeah. a wire service in Canada. Like, I interned, um, not this past summer, but the summer before at the Canadian Press, and, like, you know, like, there was no aggregation there. Like, if we were, like, reporting on something that happened in a different city, like, we would send a reporter to that different city to figure out what's going on. Yeah, that's and awesome. Like, you know, yeah, and, like, I mean, places like, you know, Business Insider, which I work for, and, like, the International Business Times, which I worked for before, like, e- e- like even, like, BuzzFeed or, like, you know, Vice or anything like that, like, they're headquartered in, like, big cities like New York. Like, we're not going to be able to, like send reporters out to, like, every single other, like, city when, like, breaking news pops up or, like, when there's, like, an instance of, like, police violence or, like, if, you know, someone, like, some city, like, in the south, like, has, like, a terror attack. Like, we're not going to have people on the ground for that. But, like, the wire service places will. Like, the New York Times will send someone there. And, like, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, just especially for, like, those breaking news stories, like, I wouldn't even, like, advocate that you look at, like, you know, like, the shit that's coming down on Twitter when that stuff happens. Like, I would just kind of solely rely on wire services. Really? I, I like, I, I kind of think that Twitter is, like, I, I really veer between these two completely extreme uh, points, but I, I think Twitter is awesome as a news service, mm-hmm. but also the worst. So, I like, with breaking no, news okay. stuff, yeah. like, I... I don't know how it happens, like, because I don't follow many people on Twitter at all. Um, And I don't know if this is because I've been on the internet a long time, and I'm sort of good at determining the validity of something just by how it's presented, which is a dangerous game to be playing because you you can't always be 100% certain. But I do find that with breaking, like, serious events, I tend to get kept completely up to date by various sources on Twitter and I don't really know how that's worked out for me but I have found it to be in my experience like a really good source of news but I I think I think I mean yeah like I think it is and like I would kind of like support your like very polarized view that like you know it's both the best and the worst because like I mean, like, whenever I'm, like, trying to, like, figure out what's going on with breaking news, like, I mean, like, I'm on Twitter, like, every single second, like, while something is breaking, and, like, I'm obsessed with it, I can't turn my eyes away from it, but I also remember, like, when things have gone very badly wrong with, like, that sort of notion, like, do you remember, like, I think, like, we might even have been, like, chatting when this happened, but, like, remember the Boston Marathon bombing? Yeah. And, like, I mean, Twitter was just, like, like, I couldn't tear my eyes away from it at the time, and, like, it also helps, like, promote, like, this, like, completely fake story that, like, um, I don't know, like, I can't even remember who first found it, and I think it originated on Reddit, but, like, Anonymous somehow got a hold of, like, this idea that, like, um... The this guy cer- on the roof. Yeah, or, like, this certain kid who had, like, gone missing a couple days before was, like, one of the suspects, and, like, they found his name, and, like, it started circulating on Twitter, and, like, that seemed legit when I was, like, looking at it, and it only came out, like, quite a while after, like, that that wasn't, 
the guy. And, like, even to this day, like, that guy's name is smeared. Like, his family is, like, still to this day, like, distressed that, like, that's how people remember their son. And, like, you know, like, that sort of, like, that rumor really, like, I mean, even if it started on Reddit, like, it kind of got wings on Twitter. And so, like, I'm still, like, very, I'm, I'm still really afraid to, like, fully trust anything I read whenever breaking news like that comes out. And like, even when I see like a whole bunch of like photos being posted on Twitter, like I'm not, I'm always like slightly f- afraid that like, you know, maybe it's like a hoax, like maybe like somebody photoshopped something and like it's spreading around that way. Like, I don't know. Like I still like, yeah, myself, like haven't quite figured out like the best way to like determine whether something is valid. And it seems like the truth only becomes apparent like quite a while after the event has taken yeah. place. Yeah, that's true. Like even, this has nothing to do with Twitter as such. Well, kind of does. Um, but the whole... I don't know if you even heard the story about uh, then-Prime Minister uh, David Cameron in the UK that he supposedly, um, like, had a dead pig perform oral sex on him as part of... I, I have heard of that. What the fuck went on with that? I didn't, like, follow too closely. So, like, it's almost certainly completely made up. Um it came from a biography written about David Cameron that was co-written by a Daily Mail journalist, which gotcha. immediately screamed, like, break lights. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Um, and she was asked about it, and she said, no, our source never confirmed or denied anything about it. Like, we just we just wrote exactly what he had said at the time, um, and he's been un- unavailable for comment ever since. And that's the thing that happened... Um, Twitter got a hold of it, obviously. It became a huge thing. David Cameron had to publicly deny it and stuff. But, like, (laughs) I don't like David Cameron, and for reasons I don't fully understand about myself, I wanted that story to be true, which is just (laughs) a horrific thing to know about yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's nothing to do with, like, (laughs) politics or, like, finding the truth. It's about, like, an addiction to, like... Um, some hatred or, or like an addiction to the biases that I have within me where I want to be like yeah well that's what conservatives do when they go to their fancy schools like <laughs> that's <laughs> just what happens folks wouldn't have happened at a liberal arts school I can tell you that. Um, no I totally understand I mean I think like the thing that I draw away from like that anecdote is that like you at least like are making some effort to address that and like overcome that gut instinct that you yeah. have. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that's like, that's the important thing like to take away from this conversation. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I've, I've been told that I'm a very analytical person. So it's good to know that like, I actually analyze my own thoughts instead of going like, Oh, well yeah. this guy. Fuck the dead really, oh my God. That's, yeah. that's horrifying. Yeah, no, I, I definitely like remember reading about that like a couple weeks back and just for some reason never followed up on it um i'm gonna have to do some reading because like that's just really really funny yeah i know like but like it it basically like there are so many people who think that that's definitely true and like even though i know that it is 99.9 percent untrue i'm still like maybe (laughs) yeah like probably like i mean that's probably what they do at those universities like you know no i mean like yeah no i like yeah with my like own bias against like you know conservative private schools or whatever like i can see that happening like did they haze him like yeah maybe yeah that's like i've heard worse stories about what they do at like rugby colleges and stuff yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i just oh I my god um i guess i guess we'll end the podcast on the note that if 
the story doesn't come from Alex Jones, it's fake. Um, <laughs> and provided by reptilian shape-shifting beings. So just be alert, sheeple, at all times. I support that conclusion. Great. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. We should do it again. Yeah, definitely. So there you have it, folks. It turns out it was Donald Trump all along. For real, though, uh, that is the end of the episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. If you did, please do all of the nice things that imply that you enjoy a thing that I did, such as liking the video and uh, liking it on SoundCloud and doing all of that stuff. Um, I just want to add that this episode was actually recorded on September the 11th because... Um, just, I, I think even now, like, time has moved along since then, so, um, the illness part that we were referencing about Hillary Clinton was that she collapsed on 9-11 and was diagnosed with pneumonia, or at least that's the story that they told in the press. We all know that it's just a consequence of being a shape-shifting reptilian. Um, but yeah, I just thought that I would add that in in case anyone was confused about that little moment. The song closing the podcast is Artsars by a band called Japan Droids because quite frankly I doubt there is copyrighted material within this song because it's a very old one of theirs. But uh, you guys should check out their album Celebration Rock. It's a really good album to just jump up and down to, uh, shout all the lyrics at the top of your voice while getting blind drunk on a Tuesday night. It's my Tuesday routine, I don't know about you guys. But uh, no, that is a really cool album. They're a really cool band. They're also from Canada, so I guess the theme there is that we have a Canadian guest and a Canadian band to close out the show. Um, I'll leave links for Michelle's Twitter and Business Insider page in the description, so if you guys could uh, check those out and be nice, because I really appreciate having an actual journalist on the show. I just think it gives us um, just a really nice insight, a nice bit of credibility as well for the podcast, which is pretty cool. Um, and I hope to uh, scale out the type of guests I get on the show in future. Um, but anyways, until next week, I will see you guys. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed having two episodes in a row for the first time since 1997. I've been Eldon Eero. Fuck conventional outros and fuck this podcast.